it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Well, 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 here we go. Here we go. Coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting from the tippy top of the world famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, a man who did not pass a foreign aid bill in the middle of the night. Check this out while you were sleeping. The Senate voting to send $95 billion to Ukraine, Israel, Taiwan. But did a penny get spent on America? <laughs> Nothing. What a time to be alive. I'm a, it's a fired up day today. I'm in a very chippy mood right now. You guys are going to have to talk me off the ledge. 888 9910 if you want to be a part of today's festivities as always it is also the phone number if you'd like to call us up and tell us why you do not want to be a part of today's festivities you're just another dirtbag 888-788-9910 you know the rules you could be a republican you could be a democrat the only thing we ever 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 ask is that you don't be a happy tuesday everybody and what a fine tuesday it is uh listen If you like runaway government spending, if you like taking a backseat to the rest of the world as an American citizen, boy, do we have a show for you. But let me get you the lowdown on what went on and why I'm so peppy today. You know, slightly caffeinated. I'm a married man. I don't get out a lot, either doing TV or doing stand-up, or I'm just home eating myself to death or smoking a cigar in the backyard. It's pretty much all I do. Okay, but when I get on the air, as I tell you, I'm trying to be a force multiplier of positive energy. You know, a dog with a job. You know, you go to the airport and the dog that sniffs the baggage is always smiling and his tail's wagging because he can't believe they're counting on him to save the plane. Okay, that is very much me when I walk into the radio studio. My tail is wagging. I can't believe they're counting on me to save the show. But there are days where there are other things I can't believe, like a $95 billion national security supplemental package to assist Ukraine, Israel, and the Indo-Pacific early this morning. The Senate voting 70 to 29 in favor of a resolution. So we were working on a border deal. And if you remember, the border deal holdup was, one, Republicans knew that it didn't adequately solve the border problem. Nor did it close the border. It said you can only let in 5,000 people a day, which is not a closed border. When you go to the store and it's closed, they don't let in 5,000 people. They let in nobody. Correct the mundo. If we're looking for legal immigration, you can't allow 5,000 people a day to break the law. It's pretty simple stuff. I think he's got a point. But that bill got held up. But rather than fixing it, hey, it's the United States border. We got to do something about this. The bill, which was tied to Ukraine, you understand, and foreign aid around the country, the lawmakers in Washington have decided, well, our border can wait, but their borders cannot. You cannot be serious. And they went out and they passed a standalone funding bill that gets the money to those countries. 
while doing nothing for ours. Welcome to the Biden administration, home to the new slogan, America last. And let me be very clear. I am not like on Putin's side. Let him do whatever he wants in Ukraine. That's not who I am. So I'm not on the air doing that. Okay, but at a time when we're $34 trillion in debt, if you were to ask around the country right now, if you were to poll around the country right now, okay, what should we do first? Should we secure our border? Or if we're going to spend money at a time when we're $34 trillion in debt, should we focus on securing everyone else's? Okay, do you know what 100% of the people are going to say? They're going to say America first. And that's not selfish, not racist, not xenophobic. It's not anything they try to characterize America first as. America first is no different than your family first. Okay, if you run a household, you got a wife, couple of kids, or you got no spouse and a kid, or two kids, or five kids, or eight kids, or you're a cat lady, which I get. I love the cats. Okay, I have a 19, 18-year-old cat. I doesn't shut up. Daisy does not shut up. She runs the house. She's fantastic, but she's very bossy. But the point is, if you are in a house... I promise you, you are living your house first, okay? Listen, we love to help out the guy down the road, but if we're going to be unable to pay our electric bill, let's get the electric bill paid and hopefully have something left for the guy down the road. Maybe we can help him in some other way that doesn't involve us being derelict in our own obligations. Okay, guys, we're $34 trillion in debt. We didn't go get money out from the couch cushions. We've already done that. (laughs) We are just printing and spending money. Money. That is financial lunacy. Okay, it will ultimately be a driver of inflation in the long run, but will do nothing to provide the American people with a deliverable in the short run. Nobody, nobody in this country wants what they are doing in Washington. We didn't ask for this. We didn't say, hey, if only somebody could take over and make us the absolute lowest priority on their totem pole. If only that could be the case, but that's where we find ourselves. Okay, 60 billion for Ukraine. I'm not anti-Ukraine. 14 billion for Israel. Certainly not anti-Israel. I'd be working at Harvard if I was. 9 billion in humanitarian assistance for Gaza. Nearly 5 billion for the Indo-Pacific. Again, all fine and well if you spend some money here. Okay, they're not doing that. This was the bigger priority. And it blows my mind. Here's Rand Paul. I'll give him credit. Because Rand Paul said what I believe every American should agree with and probably does. Clip two. You know, I would say it's criminal neglect for Mitch McConnell, Chuck Schumer and Joe Biden to get together to send $100 billion overseas to fix someone else's border before addressing our border. We have an emergency. We have an invasion. We have 700,000 people came across in the last two months and they're willing just to punt on that. You know, they put forward a fake proposal. It wasn't any good. We shot it down. But that doesn't mean we're ready to give up on it. Many of us want to fight. 32 of us out of 48, three-fourths of us said we wanted to keep fighting. We want to actually fix the border before we ship $100 billion of our money overseas. I mean, think about that. Okay, our border is open. Like, we have a historic level of illegal border crossers, okay? We're above 8 million. In some counts with known gotaways, we're above 10 million since the Democrats took over and rescinded all the border policies that were keeping us, you know, relatively safer. Okay, fentanyl poisoning deaths are at an all-time high in this country, meaning it's an all-time high right now. We have a now problem. People are dying right now. They're being poisoned. 
Okay, not overdoses. Overdose, the connotation is you took too many drugs, you got carried away, you died. This is a poisoning. Some college kid wants to stay up all night writing a term paper so they take an Adderall and drop dead. That's not a junkie. That's someone who was taking a recreational drug and died doing it. It's not supposed to happen at the numbers we're seeing it. That's true. That is true. But with all of this going on, they'd rather fund the war machine on the other side of the globe. Okay, here is Mitt Romney trying to characterize what went on last night as the most important vote of our lifetime. Clip one. The vote we will soon take to provide military weapons for Ukraine is the most important vote we will ever take as United States senators. You are so full of sh- The vote to send more money to Ukraine is the most important vote you'll ever take as a United States senator? That is a fact check false. But I don't doubt that he believes he's correct. Why? Because the uniparty in Washington, the go-along-to-get-along, spend money on what the lobbyists tell them to, do consider Ukraine a bigger priority than America. He knows what he's talking about. Okay, and this is evidenced in the fact that while you were sleeping, they didn't have like a middle-of-the-day televised vote the way, you know, when a bill's getting passed. Do you remember when the Republicans couldn't figure out a, a speaker? And they turned it. In, they turned it into like a Dancing with the Stars pageant. America votes again at three p.m. All right, McCarthy missed. We vote again at five thirty. You know they were doing it in broad daylight at least. Okay, we're now passing hundred billion dollar spending bills in the middle of the night. And I'm going to be honest with you guys. As a former New York City cab driver, there's not a lot of legitimate spending that goes down at three in the morning. He's a lousy <laughs> dad, but he's right. Everything you need to know, okay, without even getting into the specifics. And believe me, I could get into the specifics of some of the things people have spent money on at 3 in the morning in my taxi. I love it when you talk dirty. But I'm not gonna, because there's nothing dirtier I can say than what they're telling you in Washington. Let me give you this. And this is, I mean, talk about embarrassing. Here's J.D. Vance, and then I'll give you a follow-up, clip four. I find it shocking that somebody could actually rely on the experts after the last few years of what we've been dealing with from COVID to the war in Ukraine to say, well, we just got to listen to the smart people, Laura. It's totally detached from reality. There is nothing that will be served by sending another $61 billion to Ukraine. There's no path to victory. There's no end in sight. And there's nothing that we can do with another $61 billion except throw more fuel on the fire of inflation and America's debt. And basically what he's saying is, thank you for the education, gentlemen. We've just received a Ph.D. in stupidity. Okay, a Ph.D. in stupidity. Sixty one billion dollars to Ukraine alone. We don't have a definition of what would constitute victory. Do you understand? Like they've never said, well, we're sending it here because of this. And when this is achieved, it's over. That's not what we're doing here. They're using the, the war as a justification for open-ended spending in Washington. You understand nothing we spend money on is ever a standalone expenditure. If they pass a bill called Save the Puppies, okay, somehow you wind up finding out that they spent $800 million on climate initiatives, gender studies somewhere in Iran. You know, any time a pet project needs funding, they pass something with a popular name and then they wedge all their spending initiatives into it. Okay, in this instance, the initial title of the bill wasn't popular because people want America to be a bigger priority than the rest of the world. 
But to hear some people in the media tell it, and this is straight circus clown stuff from Joe Scarborough. And, you know, Joe Scarborough hates himself. And we have a lot of mutual friends in the media. He actually does hate himself and gets on TV every morning to say that you're dumb and you're a white supremacist and you're uneducated and you don't know better. And now the latest one is people are mad about all this money going to Ukraine because the Republicans have become the cult of Vladimir Putin. I mean, dude, it's just, that was embarrassing. It's not embarrassing to him because he lives a life. He's, we're living in the death of shame. Here it is. Clip five. This is a moment where you have Republicans parroting Vladimir Putin. You have the Republican nominee, likely nominee, saying, yes, Putin, invade Europe. Russia, invade Europe. You have all of these things happening at the same time. Uh, and it's, it's not an accident. And, and, and I've got to say, even I am shocked that, that, that Republicans on the Hill haven't stood up to Donald Trump uh, saying that, that Russia should invade NATO allies. But they haven't, which means, again, this is a moment in time everybody has to stop and recognize that not only is American democracy on the line, but freedom across the globe on the line. Donald Trump is siding with Xi. Donald Trump is siding with Putin. Donald Trump is siding with Kim Jong-un. These are the people that he wants to make alliances with, and he wants to turn his back on a free Europe. Oh, shut up, woman. Guys, that's not what Donald Trump said, just so we're clear. Donald Trump is trying to get our NATO allies to pay their fair share. Okay, do you understand that only four of the countries are meeting their spending obligation at the time he took over as president? That's since inched up to 11 of the countries. But why is that necessary? Why is it important for Trump to say that and hold them accountable? Not because he's a demagogue pledging alliance to Putin, not because he's trying to shatter, you know, our relationships on the world stage, but because America is getting hosed. Bingo. When NATO allies make a pledge to spend X amount of dollars, a certain percentage of GDP to their defense budget, Okay, they're doing so. It's an obligation. So we have all invested in our military as a team. We're NATO. We're allies. We're part of an alliance. If one country doesn't keep up their end of the bargain, the other countries get stuck with the bill. Okay, Trump gained popularity by taking the position he did towards NATO, which is, hey, stop screwing us over. Yes, we're your allies. Yes, we will support you if you're invaded, assuming you're fulfilling your commitments. Okay, you shouldn't be entitled to our protection if you're not keeping up your end of the bargain because you're not an ally. Okay, if you're counting on us, as Trump once famously said, to protect you from Russia, but then you're out there buying all your fuel off Russia, you're making it financially possible for Russia to attack you. Okay, ergo, you shouldn't expect our support if you're going to subsidize or expect us to pay for both sides of this conflict. Okay, but again, his words were not, I'm on Putin's side. The Republican Party didn't go, we're on Putin's side. That's his interpretation. But again, when you spend your whole life hating yourself and pointing the finger at Republicans so you don't have to look inward at the things you hate about yourself, you don't realize, you don't have the self-awareness to understand just how wildly unpopular this bill is. Trump wanted NATO members to pay up because he was tired of Americans getting screwed. He won the presidency because people were tired of Americans getting screwed. 
Joe Scarborough is singing his praises for a bill that just screwed everybody in America. Okay, and that's why these guys don't get it. And I'm out here in the real world and I know what's right or wrong or bullshit. He's the host you shouldn't get too close to. There's a lot of things about me you don't know anything about, Daddy. Things you wouldn't understand. Things you couldn't understand. Things you shouldn't understand. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. The world of business moves fast. Stay on top of it with the Fox Business Rundown every Monday and Friday. Listen to the Fox Business Rundown starting May 20th at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. There it is, Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Reachable to you, the listener, at 888-788-9910. Man, there's a lot happening right now. Whew. You want to chime in? I think Kevin's batting lead off today because I was talking about NATO. Very chippy show. Kevin! Yes, Jimmy. Hey, so, you know, maybe I got an idea for your for your show on Saturday. Maybe you could start a segment called Dumb or Brilliant and lead off, you know, last night Tyrus was on Gutfeld. He's lamenting, you know, Trump, you know, couldn't you have waited two weeks before you brought up this NATO thing and let the, you know, let Biden's uh, gaffes ride for a few weeks? But I think that what Trump did may be brilliant. I wonder how long he was sitting on, you know, waiting to bring that up because Biden, they had this great idea, shrinkflation, and I think that could have built momentum. But Trump just took that off the map and changed the subject to Ukraine, right, and NATO Mm -hmm. with this, you know, Trump's probably thinking, how can I, how can I stop them from talking about Biden's shrinkflation? I know I'll say something really outrageous and that'll change the subject. (laughs) What do you think? Uh, You said a lot. Uh, I think we're right to acknowledge that Trump made an unforced error, but at the same time, people agree with the policy, meaning they're going to be like, oh, Trump told Putin to invade and it wasn't uh, a carefully curated statement, but The one thing that resonates with everybody getting past your theory, uh, which is always very cleverly articulated, is that spending, you know, a hundred billion dollars on the rest of the world and nothing on us is not okay with anybody in this country. So if Trump wants to call out NATO for not keeping up their end of the bargain in a roundabout way, he's just saying, stop screwing America. And if we can't get our leaders in this country to stop screwing us. Maybe the foreign leaders stop screwing us. I don't know. I'm just tired of getting screwed. Good call as always, Kevin. We'll get to more after this on Fox Across America. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton Withrow. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. Boom! There it is. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Champ's a little cranky today, you guys. I try to be a force multiplier of positive energy, I like to tell you. But uh, it's just a lot of stupidity. (laughs) It's just everywhere. And I consider it a problem. 
okay, when me, a 47-year-old man who plays video games, has become the voice of reason in our country. That can't be good. It is not good. Uh, Listen to this, though. This one's funny. So today on the Hill, it's a story nobody's really talking about. You know, when your president has dementia, uh, it tends to make more headlines than the other things going on in the president's life. Uh, But here is a newsflash. Former business associate of Hunter Biden, a gentleman by the name of Rob Walker, testified uh, before the House Oversight Judiciary Committee uh, as part of this impeachment inquiry against President Biden. Okay, we all knew that was going on. That's not really news. But... uh, He testified that Biden, the vice president, you know, the guy who said, I've never talked to my son about his business. And then he said, I've never talked to my son's business partner. Okay, according to this testimony, which takes place under the penalty of perjury, you're under oath, uh, that Biden, okay, met with the chairman of the Chinese energy firm Hunter Biden sought to create a joint venture with at the Four Seasons in Washington, D.C., Are you the big man, Joe? Okay, according to this testimony, yes, Biden was the front of a complex scheme. And in this instance, he showed up for 10 minutes to lend his name to what Hunter was trying to get from this government. Okay, he testified that Biden addressed the entire group, which consisted of approximately 10 CEFC-linked individuals. We're talking about the Chinese Communist Party uh, during the visit. And he also, uh, wow, this is fascinating. Ooh. But he also does claim, he does claim that the business partner, uh, he does maintain that Biden was not directly involved in any of his son's business dealings, despite the fact that he showed up to the lunch. Come on, don't bullshit me. Now, Tony Bobolinsky, who's also testifying on Capitol Hill today, he has said in the past... Okay, that he's going to testify from his direct personal experience. It is clear that Joe Biden was the brand being sold by the family. Okay, he's also expected to say that Joe Biden enabled his son to sell access to the United States' most dangerous adversaries, including the Chinese Communist Party and his family's foreign influence peddling operation from China to Ukraine and elsewhere, sold out to foreign actors who were seeking to gain influence and access to Joe Biden and the United States government. So you've got two people testifying. One guy testified under oath. Biden met with the business partners, but he wasn't involved in the business. You know, when you just show up to meet with him uh, because you have nothing to do with it. Interesting. Okay, the other guy says he was absolutely the brand and he was getting a 10 percent kickback on the money, something that's been corroborated in emails and the testimony of other business associates like Devin Archer. So long story short, is Biden going down for any of this Hunter Biden stuff? I mean, to be honest with you, the answer would be no. I would say the answer is no. Uh, It seems to be they were moving money through a lot of shell companies in a gray area of the law that will ultimately allow them to run out the clock if for no other reason than because the statute of limitations has essentially firewalled them against being charged for whatever criminal activity they might have engaged in. I don't know. I'm not the guy who gets on the air and goes, no, no, they're going to jail. I'm the guy who gets on the air and says, if anyone else did this, uh, but, you know, a member of the political establishment, oh, they would go to jail. I agree with that. Yeah, totally. If you did this, you're going to jail. If I did this, I'm going to jail. Okay, it's like the classified documents thing. 
The reason we're in this big mess about Biden having dementia, I mean, we've been in the mess for about four years, but the reason we're in this mess in terms of political discourse is because the special prosecutor, Robert Hur had to justify not charging Joe Biden. And he said in his findings, this is a man who at the time he kept these documents willingly and knowingly broke the law. He willingly and knowingly broke the law. He should be behind bars. Again, if it was anyone else, he might be. But in coming up with a justification for charging, not charging him, while they'll simultaneously charge Donald Trump, okay, Robert Hur spelled it out. He said, you know, we wouldn't put this before a jury because they would likely see him as an elderly man with a very poor memory who, you know, for all intents and purposes, isn't all there, isn't fit to stand trial. That's how this whole thing started, at which point everyone on the left went crazy. How dare he characterize the president as what all of us know the president is? I mean, again, I'll play you a montage. This is my favorite thing in the world. Okay, it's basically there's a lot of prominent Democrats out there, okay, who want you to believe Joe Biden is as sharp as a tack. Sell crazy someplace else. We're all stocked up here. Are we ever? But they want you to believe he's fine. Listen to this montage. This is clip 18. President Biden, who I've been around uh, numerous times just in this last year, is sharp. He's focused. He's bright. He is sharp, intensely probing and detail oriented and focused. This is a man who is sharp, who is on top of his game, who knows what's going on. He's smart. He's on his game. I was in almost every meeting with the president and the president was in front of and on top of it all, coordinating and directing leaders who are in charge of America's national security, not to mention our allies around the globe. Kamala is a lying sociopath. Fact checked. The funny thing about Biden and all of these Democrats who go on TV to go, oh, no, this guy's so sharp. He's on it. No, Joe Biden, brightest guy I've ever met. That is a lie. Okay, is everybody who's out there in front of a TV camera telling you he's the sharpest guy in the world behind closed doors? What's the one thing they all have in common? None of them have a video. None of them are willing to share a video. None of them have any evidence that contradicts what we've all formed an opinion on. Meaning, how? All of, this is all I'm really saying is like, how come we have never seen a sharp Joe Biden? How come we don't see it? Like, we keep being told, oh, no, just because they played a video on TV of him shaking hands with an invisible person doesn't mean he's not sharp. Yeah, just because, you know, he goes the wrong way after every speech, talks to dead presidents. We now, Biden is up to five dead people. Five times that we know of where he's t- he's told conversations, he's told stories about conversations he had with people who were dead at the time the conversation took place. When I first became president, I met Mitterrand of Germany. I met Mitterrand of France, but when I first became president, I told Mitterrand America's back. The only problem is Mitterrand had died 25 years earlier. Okay. Two examples of the German, okay, president, Helmut Kohl. When I became president, I talked to Helmut Kohl of Germany. Biden became president, if you remember, in 2021. 
I don't remember that ever happening. But it did. You know what else happened? Helmut Kohl, sadly, died in 2017. Now, Biden told that story twice last week, so that gets you up to three different moments where he went before the American people and told stories about speaking to people who were dead at the time the stories occurred, meaning these conversations couldn't happen. He imagined them. Okay, then we've got the sad soundbite with the late Jackie Walorski, representative from the great state of Indiana, who he called out to at a bill signing. Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? Jackie, I want to talk to Jackie for a second. Sadly, Jackie had died six months earlier. And, of course, the story CNN themselves has fact-checked 12 different times, which is Biden's story of talking to Angelo on the Amtrak train. Angelo, who told him he had taken more miles by train than he had aboard Air Force One, the only problem, Angelo had died 20 years earlier. I mean... The man is insane. He's not responsible for himself. So when they're out there... And they're giving you the, no, this guy's fine. You don't understand. Okay. If you are now trying to reelect a guy and your argument is he's not crazy. I know everyone says he's crazy. I know according to a new NBC poll, 86% of Americans have concerns about his age. But let's focus on that other 14% of the country, okay? They'll, you know, they're the ones who get the whole, th- I mean. Well, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. Dumbest thing I've ever heard of. Here's Corrine Jean-Pierre being asked about the findings in this Robert Herr report, clip 10. When can we talk to the president's doctor and how come he hasn't been, or they haven't been asked to come out here and talk with us given the, the Herr report that challenges the president's mental fitness? So look, uh, you know, just to speak to uh, the Her report really, really quickly. Uh, Special Counsel Her is, is, as far as I remember, is a is a uh, obviously a, re- a Republican, a a a, uh, a prosecutor. He's not a, he's not a medical doctor. He's just not. It's not for him to speak to. It's just not. Okay, so she says it's not. You know, the doctor doesn't have an obligation to speak to this report. Because it wasn't, you know, conducted by another doctor. Okay, in theory, you could make that assessment and defend the president. But she's not directly taking on the question, which is Americans don't have this opinion because of that special counsel report. Americans already had that opinion. This just overlaps with it. Ergo, a lot of people want answers. Do you understand? It's not like last Tuesday... 91% of Americans thought Joe Biden was sharp as a tack. Then this report came out and we were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought this guy was sharp. But then I saw this report. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? That's not what happened. Okay, last week, 86% of Americans thought the president was not all there. I am uh, I am very willing to let the American public judge my physical and mental fil- my physical as well as my mental fil- fitness. Okay, last week, eighty six percent of Americans thought Biden was not all there. Okay, then, then, the report came out. That is correct. So, do you understand the report is not why these questions are being asked? Okay, these questions are being asked because of the fact that every time we look at this guy, he's out of it.
We choose truth over facts. Okay, you understand. So when she says, well, the doctor, you know, that guy who issued the assessment isn't a real doctor. Okay, but you know who is a real doctor? Biden's physician. And according to the White House, he's not taking a cognitive exam. They don't believe he needs a cognitive exam. That's what we're being told. Nah, we're not taking a cognitive exam for this guy. He's fine. There's nothing going on here. It's not a big deal. You've got to be kidding me. I can't believe what I just saw. That's what they're going with. No, nah, no, nah, he doesn't have to take one. I mean, think about that. When someone won't answer the question, hey, is the president nuts? We're not answering that. Well, there's a test he could take. We're not taking the test. Here it is, clip 11. And it is uh, obviously up for uh, a medical doctor to decide on that. But look, I have said the, pres- the, the medical doctor, the, the president's doctor is going to do a physical. He's going to, and he has always put forth in the last two years a detailed, uh, detailed memo on the president's, uh, on the president's, uh, uh, obviously, uh, 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 medical uh, physical. And so I'm just going to leave it there. You gotta do better than that. So the White House has no plans to make this doctor available to the public. Now, if you remember, so funny because they told us, you know, it's going to be the most transparent administration in history. Okay, when Trump was president, Ronnie Jackson was the White House physician at the time. Ronnie Jackson, who got medals of commendation under under Barack Obama, because he was also Barack Obama's physician in the White House. If you remember, Ronnie Jackson administered Trump's first physical as president and then literally was up at the podium. It looked like a Gallagher stand-up show where they're blasting fruit with water, you know, watermelons with a sledgematic, and it's just flying everywhere. They just bombarded Ronnie Jackson with a barrage. I mean, like nothing you've ever seen before. It was like the shootout at the end of Bonnie and Clyde. Okay, they were, they, they were apoplectic that he said Trump was in good health. They were apoplectic at Trump's weight, at his blood pressure, at every aspect of Trump's existence. But to the credit of the White House, Ronnie Jackson stood up there at the podium and took all the shots, an hour's worth of shots. Okay, they gave people a glimpse into the findings. In this instance, we're being told, no, you're not speaking to the doctor. You didn't speak to him last year. You're not speaking to him this year. At a time when 86% of Americans have concerns about the guy's health, they're telling you it's none of your business. Now, in what world is that an acceptable answer to the question, is this guy okay? And the correct answer is in no world, okay? Is none of your business an acceptable answer? But the reason they have to give you that and hope they can get away with it is because the real answer is a huge problem for all of them. What can I tell you, kid? You're right. When you're right, you're right. You're right. A show that's taking orders from the big man upstairs. We're on a mission from God. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. You know, if you bought a copy of the Cancel Culture Dictionary, my New York Times bestselling book, you might have read a chapter about Kanye West, who was canceled uh, because he made a bunch of anti-Semitic uh, remarks. 
that cost him major endorsement deals with Adidas, other big companies, lost his sneaker line, his fashion line, everything in between. But Kanye West's new album is now number one on the charts in over 100 companies. Apparently, all those anti-Semitic remarks won him a following at Harvard and Yale, <laughs> all the Ivy League schools. They're like, wait, this guy said bad stuff about the Jewish community. We love this guy. That's actually not the case. People just like his music. And he's number one. So all those people who said Kanye was finished. Shut up. Apparently, that is not the case. He is back on his feet. I think one of the big challenges in the cancel age is you need to separate the art from the artist. If you like the music, if you like the songs, you don't necessarily have to ascribe to the artist's social views or their behavior. You know, I'm not a fan of R. Kelly, but you don't listen to him sing Bump and Grind because you're into 14-year-olds. I mean, you might if you're Prince Andrew, but I don't have the answer to that. The point is, I predicted in the book that Kanye West would likely make a comeback if for no other reason then at the end of the day, the market is driven by the quality of the content. And if people like it, they're going to buy it no matter what the outrage mob tells them. Because believe it or not, there are still folks out there who want to think for themselves. Does that mean I condone Kanye's comments? Of course not. I don't agree with him. I think he's out of his mind. I think he smokes a ton of weed and takes bipolar meds and then goes and does high-level media interviews afterwards at the peak of the high. This could be a problem. Well, it was a big problem for Kanye, and it got him into a lot of trouble on Twitter. But the fact remains he's back on the tippy top of the charts, number one on iTunes. Uh, The guy calls himself Black Jesus. Jesus? Uh, Well, he has made a full comeback, so give him that. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There it is, and here we go. Big hour. Coming your way, Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon, an audio safe space for cool people. We say it every day. You're all welcome on this show. You don't have to agree. You don't have to think I know what I'm doing. Trust me, I don't think I know what I'm doing. Uh, The point is, we're not doing like this conservative right wing talk show that you got to nod along with. We're doing an American talk show. Freedom! But with freedom also comes the acceptance of divergent viewpoints. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what color you are. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how dumb you are. No, ma'am. You are all welcome. We're not going to chase you off the get off my phone, you dope. No, you're all welcome. We're just here hanging out, trying to make sense of the world. And I got to be honest, we need all the help we can get. I want, you know, other perspectives at this. We're living in a country where 76% of Americans think we're going in the wrong direction. If ever there was an all hands on deck moment, this is it. So 888-788-9910 if you want a piece of the action. Uh, The one rule we enforce every day. You could be a Republican. You could be a Democrat, you could be a Libertarian, you could be an Independent. The only thing we ever ask is that you don't be a <laughs> Boom! There it is. As we roll on. Brian Bremberg's coming up today on the show. That's always exciting. Uh, Emily Campagna with a human happy hour back from Vegas. Okay, she was doing Lord knows what. We'll get a report. We'll get a dispatch on that. And we will, of course, talk about, you know, this ongoing battle 
between the Democrats and the media over the accurate portrayal of Joe Biden. John Stewart returned to The Daily Show last night. He's got a Rachel Maddow-type gig where he's only going to work on Mondays, and then other people will fill in the rest of the week. But he's back um, to try to reclaim some relevance. John Stewart, if you remember, went on to, I believe, Apple TV and launched a spinoff show uh, a few years ago. That was a hot mess inside a dumpster fire, inside a train wreck. It was a disaster. Nobody watched it, and it was, you know, it was what you'd expect it to be on Apple TV. He was trying to fit in with a lot of the woke ethos of programming. Everything woke turns to And he found that out the hard way. So he's trying to reclaim some relevance. He's getting back onto The Daily Show. That's fine. You know, I listen, I want comedy to be funny. And I want it to be something both sides of the aisle can laugh at because comedy doesn't have a political party. Comedy is a party. If it's done right, it's just funny. We're the clowns. We entered a profession where we get paid in drink tickets and chicken fingers for the first five years. Okay, so we should not be steering the democracy. We should be giving everybody a port in the storm. So to Jon Stewart's credit last night... He was honest. He has a basic self-awareness to him. He knows he can't get out there and do an hour trashing politics and not acknowledge the fact that 86% of the country thinks Biden's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. So here was his take. He did a both sides take. You know, he certainly went after Trump. But there's no comparison between the condition of the two men. Trump screws things up. He does get names wrong. He once famously called Nancy Pelosi Nikki Haley about five times on the campaign trail in one speech, which, to be clear, if we were Republicans and watched Biden do this, we would call it out. We'd go, the guy's nuts. Okay, there's no argument that Biden does it more often than Trump. There's no argument that Biden doesn't get lost in the middle of sentences constantly. Joe Biden wasn't willing to sit for a Super Bowl interview two years in a row. A Super Bowl interview that, oh, by the way, is the easiest interview a politician will ever do because you basically just talk about football. They ask you one question about the border. Then you pivot to guacamole and you get out of there with the win. It's an easy one. Biden wouldn't do the interview two years in a row. That can't be good. Okay, something that was not lost, if you remember, on James Carville, who said as much yesterday, clip 25. What when you don't accept a Super Bowl interview. You're, I don't know, pulling averages, you're three points down in a two-way. Uh, it's the biggest television audience, not even close. And you get a chance to do a 20, 25-minute interview on that day, and you don't do it. That's a kind of sign that the staff or yourself doesn't have much confidence in you. There's no other way to read this. Come on, man. But how else would you read it? When you can't do the easiest interview of the year in front of the biggest TV audience in history, which is a golden opportunity if you're a candidate of sound mind with something to sell to the American people, if you can't do that interview, okay, you are admitting to the rest of the world that they don't trust you without a script. He knows what he's talking about. Okay, here's the rest of the Carville clip, 26. Joe Biden and Donald Trump and most elected officials make small gaffes just like the ones you just showed. That's not what matters. We are in a fight for the soul of our nation. And the idea that somehow 
Joe Biden forgot the date of his son's death is offensive and appalling. And what you should be focused on, in my view, what that poll should have focused on, what our nation well, should but, focus but, 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 can on, I, can I stop is the way that though, because... Donald Trump is undermining rule of law, democracy, and our safety as a nation. Oh, goodness gracious. You are so dumb. You are really dumb. For real. They're both old, but Trump is undermining the rule of law, democracy. And our safety, wait, our safety as a nation? Did Trump bungle us to the brink of World War III? The answer would be no. The answer would be no. Did Trump open the border and let a record level of Americans and drugs flood into our country? The answer would be no. No, the answer would be no. When you're talking about damaging our faith in democracy, Trump never jailed his political opponents, but Biden's doing it right now. So Chris Coons is, you know, pivoting to a straw man argument. But here's the Carvo clip I wanted to play you. It's clip 26. He's not going to do debates. He is old. I, I, I know what it is because I'm almost as old as he is. And it's never going to get better. You never, you know, the day, today is the youngest you'll ever be for the rest of your life. Now, they have made the ch- choice that they want to go through with this. Uh I, I know Democrats, myself, being one, fundraisers, donors, you know, door knockers, flushers, volunteers, the whole democratic infrastructure of the country, we need to be told, okay, this is what the president's going to do. This is what he's not going to do uh, to try to work around whatever it is. But I, I thought the Super Bowl interview was telling. So there you go. If you like Biden so much, name three of his complete sentences. Gosh, Lincoln told that joke on this show four years ago. Four years ago, a lot of Americans laughed at that joke because we believed it then. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by go, you know the you know the thing. That's a five-year-old clip. So you're gonna tell me that things have gotten better? Of course they haven't. Okay. Here's Brendan Buck. He was on Meet the Press, former advisor to Paul Ryan and John Boehner, clip 27. You know as well as anyone, he's done fewer interviews, fewer press conferences than his predecessors. And we hear this, we heard from, from the, his spokespeople earlier. We, we're led to believe that there's two Joe Bidens. There's one behind closed doors who's super sharp, who's, who's, we, we, who's he's not shown his age at all. And then when he steps out, we see him every time. It's just not there. And we have to imagine there are people making a decision because they are behind closed doors with Joe Biden, and they are also seeing some slippage. So listen, he's telling the truth. Okay, it's a mess. So when Jon Stewart got on the air last night, to his credit, obviously he roped Trump into the equation because Trump is, you know, four years younger than Biden. But it's never about your age. It's always about your condition. But here's Jon Stewart at the very least calling it out clip 20. One thing we know for certain is this. We have two candidates who are chronologically outside the norm of anyone who has run uh, for the presidency in this country, in the history of this country. They are the oldest people ever to run for president, breaking by only four years the record that they set the last time they ran. They are at the age, they are objectively old, they're at the age, there are no more age-related milestones to hit. They got the RRP card, they've got Social Security, they've got their movie discounts. There is no, oh, wait till you hit 88, you get to drink and drive. No! The only thing left to them is a Today Show Smuckers shout-out. So there you go. 
Okay, and he's telling you the truth. Two oldest candidates ever to run for president, both of them. Okay, Trump would seem to be a lot sharper than Biden. But this idea, okay, that 86% of the country thinks Biden is not cognitively fit. Okay, it's a moment where you have to know, okay, that they are behind the scenes right now. If you could actually, we have some of the audio inside the DNC. This was released a minute ago. They're losing their minds. They have no idea what to do. Okay, because he doesn't want to come off the ticket. Okay, I think what they should try is they should just tell him he stepped down. Like, oh, yeah, no, back when you were president, <laughs> you know, before you stepped down, you know, it's it's probably worth a shot at this point based on what we've seen out of the guy because they don't know. Okay, how to address this any other way when you can't do the Super Bowl interview. Okay, when you won't let his doctor speak to the public, when you're not taking a cognitive exam. Okay, we're not the bad guys here. Okay, for having these questions. Of course, Nancy Pelosi says there's nothing to criticize in this moment. Uh, So far as she's concerned, okay, she's not going to weigh in. Nancy Pelosi is a total dingbat. Here it is, clip 19. Uh, His uh, making a mistake from time to time, we all do that. When the former ex-president defeated President Trump made a mistake about one thing or another, he would make the same mistake seven times. It wasn't a slip of the tongue. It was a complete going down a path of something that wasn't even true intentionally or otherwise. So I think that, again, age is an objective fact. As I say, it's all relative. He's younger than I am, so what do I have to say about his age? But he is, uh, again, uh, knowledgeable, wise. Oh, my. You don't have a clue. Joe Biden is knowledgeable and wise. Don't be thick, all right? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Believe me. If 76% of the country thinks like we're headed in the wrong direction, knowledgeable and wise are probably bad ways to describe the guy steering the bus. Juan is in Wilmington, North Carolina. Juan! Hey, Jimmy. How are you, my friend? I'm hanging in there. It's a nutty day today on the show. I need you to restore order, Juan. Take it away. Oh, my goodness. You just mentioned now Pelosi is now the benchmark for cognitive analysis. I'm a <laughs> retired physician. I never read that in any medical textbook. <laughs> I don't know that you're going to anytime soon. <laughs> oh, listen. Every week your show continues to get better. There's no stopping for Jimmy. The sky's the limit. But here's what i got to bring up. Mm-hmm. There is someone that's going to beat you in the ratings. This isn't bad news, my friend, but if it comes to fruition, it's going to happen. Uh-oh. Sooner or later, Biden, Biden is going to have to give the State of the Union address. <laughs> it was in January, now it's February, and he accepted the invitation from the Speaker of the House. Now we're moving into March. Have you heard anything? Uh, it's supposed to happen at some point. They're obviously waiting uh, for the B-12 supply to get here so they can shoot him up. But I believe it'll wind up being like Thursday night, March the 7th, which is exciting for me because I'll be down in Fort Lauderdale on Friday. We'll have lots to talk about at my stand-up show. But uh, just pour one out for that sign language interpreter because they got the girl got stumped last year at the State of the Union. Can you imagine this year? Oh, my goodness. Well, they're going to have to give him some medication to keep him awake between the time the start of the, the start of the State of the Union address, you know? Yeah. And also, I would like to see how big the, the uh, teleprompter letter sizes are. Have you ever seen them, especially for him? <laughs> I was at the White House Correspondents' Dinner last year, and I can confirm that the letters are about six feet tall. 
They're massive. They are. They're actually like six feet tall. So I listen. It is. It's going to be a spectacle. Uh, so far as we know, he's going to do it. Uh, the only it's it's just fascinating because this is the first time we've had an American spe- president have his speech translated to English. <laughs> well, you know, and, and as a retired physician, I cannot understand. It doesn't take a, a, a medical personnel to see from your TV. This guy's cognitive skills are are failing. You remember when when Trump had slid behind one of the academies? Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and they were making their oh slap him with the Article Twenty Five. Yeah. He needs to be evaluated. Medical records. He's fat. He's not mm. eating healthy. And this guy's one thing after the other. Why can't Congress press to have him a thorough, unbiased, independent yeah. physician to evaluate complete physical as well as cognitive skills and report that to Congress? Well, the truth is, it's it's the right thing to do. But in their position, it's the wrong thing to do, because if we medically determine what we all know to be true, the president of the United States is Kamala Harris, pal. And I don't know anyone signing up for that one. We love you. We love your Carolina barbecue. But I don't know if there'll be much of either left if Kamala gets sworn in. So your heart's in the right place. uh, But we'll do it again soon, Juan. Be well. Thank you. Have a great week. You too, my man. Juan uh, says maybe we do run a systems check on Biden. But again, there's only one small problem. Uh, Three words for you. President Kamala Harris. No, God. No, God, please. No, no, no. The show that's crashing the establishment party. I don't recall seeing your name on the guest list. Nothing to be embarrassed about. I sometimes go by my maiden name. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, boy. Fox Cross America with Jimmy Fallon. Emily Campagno is coming up. We'll get to your calls, texts, tweets, carrier pigeons, the whole barnyard jamboree. Going to get into some, I got to tell you, this uh, Brenberg's coming by later, Brian Brenberg. Uh, this foreign aid bill, which is whew, $95 billion, $95 billion to Ukraine, 90, uh, you know. Israel's getting about 14, 5 billion to the Indo-Pacific nations. But again, all good things if you're spending a buck on America. But are we spending anything on America in this bill? No. I mean, it blows your mind. Think about that. So we were working on a border deal. That was the hook. Working on a border deal. And it was also tied to Ukraine spending. The border deal fell apart where they were like, all right, fine, we'll get to that when we get to it. More importantly, Ukraine. That's not right. No, it's not. Vinny agrees. He's in Hartford. Vinny. How you doing, Jimmy? I think I can put this simply with this with this war in Ukraine thing. Mm -hmm. I think the same people that made money during the Iraq war are the same people making money during the Ukraine war. And these people just don't want it to end. And they're on both sides of the aisle. It's. It's a bipartisan thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, there's no question there. I mean, when you hear Mitt Romney say voting for Ukraine funding is the most important vote we'll ever take as senators. Oh, yeah. But I don't think that's acting. I think he means that because they want to make this money. They want to spend this money. There's a Reuters report out that says uh, Biden rejected an offer from Putin to work on a ceasefire uh, over two years ago. Because Ukraine wasn't going to be part of the negotiations, but Putin was trying to find an off ramp. And we were like, no, 
Uh, and it tells you everything about the priorities in Washington. It's not about peace. It's about a piece of the action. They want to make that money. So, Vinny, you might have put the nail on the head. I'm going to run it by an econ guy in a little bit. But stellar analysis, as always. I'm sorry we're up against a commercial break, but it's always nice to hear your voice, uh, as well as the rest of you. 888-788-9910. We got Emily Campagno around the corner. We'll try to lighten the mood because everybody's all worked up today. It's a dumb day in America. We'll turn it around after this. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. If you bet money on Emily Campagno getting back from the Super Bowl without having to post bail, uh, you lost. Or you won, actually, because you didn't have to post bail. You were well-behaved. Was I? I well. That's right. By and the standards of the law. The over-under is not just did I have to post bail for myself, but did I have to bail out who I was with. Mm-hmm. That is the story for a different podcast. <laughs> oh, there it is. That's a different show, everyone. Good to have you back but on it the happened. East Coast. Vegas will never be the same, I am sure. Uh, but you had a good time, right? It was a good game. It was It was awesome. Vegas was awesome. It always is. The West Coast was always awesome. It always is. Um, it was sunny and great. That, that's the thing. Like, mm-hmm. I can't even express the feeling of just being around, like, other people, getting out of the city, I know. seeing the sun, seeing, like, sky. Just joy. Just being around joy. <laughs> yeah. And then also despondence, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nothing Post-game. is like watching the game with some serious high rollers, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was an interesting phenomenon because what I learned was, and I'm sure you know this well, the guys freaking out, the guys like screaming and whatever, they're like fantasy players. They, yeah, yeah. they have like a couple bucks on a fantasy pool. Mm-hmm. The guys in the corner mute, mm-hmm. those are the ones that have millions on Yeah, the that have bet life-changing amounts of money. 100%. Yeah. And that was fascinating to have that experience with them. Like, yeah. It puts it's a whole different level of what the game means to people, you know? Believe me, some people are ordering another round of drinks. Some people are ordering a blonde wig and some cover-up for their Adam's apples. Yeah. I've been that guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, if this game loses, like I'm working the strip tonight, boo. Rope and a, I mean, yeah, it's cyanide pill. It was, it was awesome. But, you know, and then it, we, I squeaked in last night. It's sort of funny because we are obviously having this big storm here in New York. It began with rain, and the pilot gets on the intercom in Vegas, and he's like, I'm going to get you in before the snow, maybe after the rain. I have, We were like in a jet, and when we landed, it was like, <laughs> we made it from Vegas to Newark, and I'm not exaggerating, less than four and a half hours. Stop That it. has to be a record. That might be. We skidded into Newark, and I was like. So this guy had a date. Yeah. That's what you need. <laughs> You need that's all the pilots should be straight hornballs, single straight guys with military experience right. that have a date wherever the city is you're headed to because you're yeah. going to get there. Hundred percent. You can take off on time. You're going to deplane in an orderly fashion. There was no waiting for a gate. No, no problem that we were early. Nope, we just skit skidded wa- right in. I want all of these planes piloted by an eighth grade boy. That's it's, what I want. Because you know something, they play the video games. All of this stuff is automated now. It's all digital. You know, whenever they talk about, you know, American kids never stop playing video games, which is true, but they're the ones that are going to save us. If warfare in the future is all virtual and it's controlled by drones and joysticks, all these fat little kids Lincoln hangs out with are going to save the country. God bless them. Thank you. I have to to say, too, in the Vegas tip, a big shout out to Danny Coker and his 
team and family there mm-hmm. at Counts Customs. They are incredible. Uh-huh. And Carrot Top, he's incredible too. And and they're a part of the Fox family. And I just I see them. I'm grateful for them. They're doing great work out there in Vegas every day, all day. Um, people work hard out there. That's the oh, thing. Do people they ever work so hard? Well, this is the out thing. There. If you're going to be successful in Vegas, you've got to appeal to a broad swath of people because people are coming there from all over the world. Which means your work has to be undeniable. You know, it does. There's just no way about it. So if you're getting like a residency or you're doing something, people have to really like what you do. There's nobody, you know, comes back to see the show year in and year out if they think it sucks. That's the hook. What I love about being out there, there could be no opposite, like, environment than New York City because they're – Everything gets done. It's not about, you know, people think, oh, hospitality or service. That's That can be sort of a sheen layer, right? Yeah. A, a politeness, a kindness. But there, things happen. Yeah. You, I, I'm not done with a sentence before it is happening. And it has nothing to do with it's me. It, it's just a human requesting something in Vegas. Yeah. It, it, it happens, to your point, with like the utmost elite execution. Contrast that in New York. Yeah, yeah. The majority of our paychecks go to this city, and yet there's truly nothing to show for it. No. No, no, New York sucks. It's a, it's a disaster. It's a toilet. It's we, toilet. Yeah, we, I, I live here because I grew up here, uh, but most people live here because it's like a thinly veiled dominatrix. It's like you don't actually want to go get beat up, so you just live here and take the whooping. Ugh. They call you names. It's Ugh. disgusting. You get peed on on the subway. Yes. It really is gross, but this time of the year specifically is when you really resent this town because it's just grim, it's cold, it's a mess. At least the snow covered up all the feces. And <laughs> we know, I talk about it all the time. Emily so walks gross. to work. Emily walks to work. And it's it's real. Like, I'm telling you, I I'm, know, not, I'm not exaggerating that I have to look. To, if I want to look up and, like, look for the Central Park Hawk or anything, I have to stop walking to look up because you cannot not look at the ground while you're walking or you will get bombed. Oh, my God. Every, the outfits that. that I wear to work and the shoes, I shed at the door yeah. in both places uh-huh. At home and here, and then I changed to a whole different pair of shoes, mm-hmm. and which is crazy because you're barefoot so in my studio right now. <laughs> lot Whatever. Of, lot of excited truckers. They're like, "Wait, she's what now? <laughs> she's doing what?" I didn't feel like keeping on my heels. No, I get it. Listen, uh, the Fox Nation viewers have never been higher. I'm kidding. We're making money. <laughs> We've got a sponsorship from OnlyFans. Suddenly, halfway through the segment, uh, Emily Campagno's in studio. We're excited about it. But the one other thing, and then we'll move on is people in New York, this is what's fascinating, people in New York think the middle of the country are the dumb ones. The middle of the country is a bunch of geniuses. They have affordable housing. They have space. They're not getting trampled on by hobbits and time travelers when they leave the house in the morning. Wouldn't you say that if you just had a a McMansion, as they derisively call it in New York, they're like, yeah, these jerks with their affordable (laughs) mansions. I'm like, that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Totally. I, and I'll say this, too, which I think sums it up. I am never impressed, ever, by anyone I ever meet in New York. But I am always impressed by, like, whenever I leave the city, instantly I'm meeting people. And I am always impressed by their caliber and everything about them, including mm-hmm. their choices. I remember being, like, what, probably in high school or something or maybe in my early 20s and talking about, like, this, like, yeah, five-bedroom house in Sacramento. And someone mm-hmm. being like, well, I could get a five-bedroom house in hell and I'd <laughs> rather be here. And I'm like, I would ra- no, I would rather – I would rather live anywhere. <laughs> Anywhere. And and it's a five-bedroom? Yes, man. Yeah. I sleep on the couch now. Like, there are no <laughs> words to express what it is like living here. And everyone is sort of asks me about it. You know, yeah. whenever I travel, as you travel a lot, so do I. Yep. And when you get out of the bubble, people say, because is, it is as bad as you say. And the answer is a resounding yes. Oh, In yeah. fact, it's worse because I have to tone myself down a little bit because I'm <laughs> – 
<laughs> Emily's here. She's having a breakdown. Yeah. Uh, rightfully so, though, if you live in this town right, right now. It's hard to come back. New York's going through one of its behind the music phases right now where, uh, you know, the band had a bunch of hits. But now we're, I you know, mean, yeah. now, now Vince we're TLC where we're making two cents on the dollar. <laughs> now Vince Neal is Vince Meal, as they call him, <laughs> the fat Vince Neal. I love Vince I? Meal. What's the fat Emily? Oh, well, Emily. I mean, it's Emily. Emily I mean, I don't, it doesn't I don't know that it needs a nickname. That's true. I think you are the Emily, fat Emily. Emily is the same as I I've always kid. been. A lot of tough love in the studio today. Well, I'll tell you what else is going on, man. So much what? stupid stuff in the news. I tell me everything. I hate the news. Like the, it's funny. I, I ran into <laughs> randomly. Uh, I ran into our mutual friend Dana Perino a minute ago in the hallways, and like we, someone said out loud. It was neither of us. Someone had mentioned like, "Oh, today's like nine months till election day." I actually almost shot myself uh. in an elevator because we're already here at this point. Where we're just we're just loathing what this is going to be, and it's already in a disgusting place. So I'm secretly just rooting for someone else to wind up being a nominee. We just we need new blood. Could could we do nine months of Biden as dementia, and the Democrats are calling Trump Hitler? I can't. Well, do you want to hear something even more frightening? Give it to me. I realized this when I read um, Phil Klein's piece in the National Review when he talked about. Think of it this way. The biggest nightmare we can ever articulate is Biden continuing to be our commander in chief. But what would be worse? Because right now everyone knows, discusses, and the polls reflect the fact that the whole world thinks Kamala Harris is incompetent because mm-hmm. she is. She's an utter failure. Mm-hmm. But if something were to happen and she actually became the nominee or he steps aside, you know, whatever, um, all of a sudden it would become the first female president, you know, the first African American mm-hmm. female vice president now. And the adoration would reach, to use his quote, saturation levels in the mainstream media, meaning, everyone, that it would wipe away the truth occurring, the actual truth occurring in print right now, which is she is terrible. It would actually elevate her to sainthood. And you have to ask yourself, what is worse? And to me, what is worse is cloaking her abject failure and utter incompetence, her lack of a brain, her vessel of a humanity, that that somehow occupies an actual decision-making capacity in the White House, because as of now, she's a figurehead. Yeah, right. She's she's ruining things, but she's a figurehead. Imagine mm. her actually as the CIC. Yeah, that is what keeps me up at night. So yes, the night next nine months are t- frightening. The day after, I mean, every I don't know. No, <laughs> what a time to be alive. There's no optimism. You like? Can we go back to New York? Can we go back to talking about the the crises of New York? I kid. Uh, I'm talking to Emily. She's a little worked up. She just got back from Vegas. Everybody. It's so funny though. Because, like, as a guy who spent a lot of time in Vegas gambling, like, I'm usually emotionally where you're at when I get back from Vegas, but it's because I have lost, like, a <laughs> life-changing amount of money. You actually had a good time watch the Super Bowl. <laughs> like, all great pictures. We saw it on the gram. It got your Raiders gear. I'm back on the gram, guys. Uh, I just you... took a little break because it was annoying me, and I just yeah. needed a break. I just needed a break. So you know, it's, it's, it's good to get off social media. That's another thing people forget. One of the reasons this election cycle is so dispiriting is because we've never ended the 2016 election. Like, go all the way back that far. When Trump beat Hillary, there was no, like, 
grace period where like, all right, this guy's going to be the president. He'll he'll be out of the news now for a month and a half. But when it's time to be inaugurated, we'll start paying attention to him. We didn't do that. The minute he won, it was like, I was stolen. And we fought all the way through his inauguration. Then, of course, the 2020 election didn't end in a calm and serene fashion. So I think because social media has us all so tethered, we don't get the time out. If you don't take the time out. You like we don't get it as a society. Gosh. So I think that's the bigger issue. Such a great point that we are in not only a marathon but an unexpected marathon. Yeah. Like an actual marathon where well, you want to throw up. Yeah, we're all trapped on a hamster wheel. That's what it is. It's like a hamster wheel of coexistence. Yo, that's why whenever we talk sports and whenever I get to talk sports professionally, it is such a welcome reprieve. And yeah. I don't mean sports as as it's been as it's become in the last month, which is sort of a crossover into pop culture. I'm actually yeah. not talking I'm actually just talking about actual sports, yeah. the way we used to discuss it. Mm-hmm. That is what is the reprieve. And to to your point, and you've talked about it in your book as well, that that's the that's where that's the place where you're supposed to reside happily. That yep. is supposed to be the escape. Common Culture M is what you're saying. Whether you yes. go watch comedy or you watch sports, it's a place to just not have to care about this. And I don't, I don't care. I mean, I'm pretty capable of tuning out, but I don't think a lot of people are because they don't have that common culture thing. So I'm thankful that the Super Bowl was predominantly sports driven and a lot of good celebrities in the commercials. It was cute. It was what a Super Bowl is supposed to be, which is like a monument to Americana. You dig? And I think the Super Bowl largely did its job. Uh, I gave I gave it a B minus. Okay, give it to me. Um, to a C plus. Okay. In in the narrow way, the, the narrow anal- uh, the, the yep. subject we're talking about right now, that that little narrow, uh, because I thought it was way too much. It was way too much coverage of the relationship that I don't care. Oh, about. the Taylor Travis. Yeah, thing I am over cares. it, and so I, I hoped I was. I thought the first half they did a good job, and then it devolved. Um, the commercials, yeah, were fine. I love the Jesus commercials. You know that. Um, it was great. It was fantastic. Um, but okay. I give it a C plus B. I give it a C plus. Okay, a C plus. For there were what? a lot of people in that stadium for them to show us the same four people a hundred times. Hey, no, that's fair. You know, and yeah. I don't, I don't, it's like. But again, I'm still not going to frown on a C plus. That's the highest grade my kid's getting on this report true. card. I mean, knowing my DNA. You've uh, never uh, seen a C plus in your life. <laughs> you stop it right now. I don't D equals JD. Listen. D equals. It's so funny because I was sitting here in the last break. I was like, Jimmy is in a really chippy mood today. I've been really cranky on the air. But I'm like, don't worry, because we're bringing in Emily. She's going to lighten things up. <clears throat> Me and you are ready to go start a militia. I'll, I'll knock down the door right now. I'm going <laughs> to kick down a wall. She's had Get it. right back on that plane, go back to the West Coast. You better. It's the right thing to do. Uh, <laughs> I call you the human happy right hour. The human happy hour just brought prohibition to my studio yeah. for 15 minutes. 21st Amendment all of a sudden. No thanks to me. Way to go. <laughs> Elliot. Cheers to that. Elliot Ness joining us in studio. <laughs> uh, go listen to the Fox News True Crime Podcast with Emily Campagno. It, oddly enough, will be more chipper than this interview, which is rarely the case. More chipper, and it involves a woman who murdered her cheating husband. Because you know what is worse than a bitter marriage? A bitter divorce. Yes. It's an amazing po- po- episode. Listen everywhere you listen to podcasts. And if anybody's ready for murder right now, That's right. it's the folks who heard this interview. Back, <laughs> back after this. <laughs> The show that connects you to people in high places. It's like the most important man in the world standing here, and you got a conversation going with each other. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon.
It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We had Emily Campagno in studio to lighten up the mood. That didn't work. Uh, <laughs> you know, we are always, always uh, priding ourselves on being some type of a port in the storm. You know, when life's kind of dragging you down or you're fed up with the news cycle. You know, this show is supposed to be a respite. And I know respite is a big word for a community college graduate like myself. But the news cycle is just a disaster right now. We just got – this is so wild. So wild. We're going to be talking about this with Brian Brunberg in the next hour. Consumer prices rose. They rose more than expected last month. Uh Uh-oh, I'm in trouble. Okay, the White House keeps telling you, no, inflation's down. It's not. It's a Republican talking point. We got inflation under control. It's nothing more than white noise coming from the White House. Prices rose more than expected in January as inflation won't go away. This is CNBC reporting. The consumer price index increased 0.3 percent in January. The Bureau of Labor Statistics reported on a 12 month basis that came out to 3.1 percent, which is technically down from 3.4 percent in December. But lo and behold, you're paying more money for everything. So when you just talk about your day-to-day survival, they can give you stats on inflation is easing, but the consumer price index is not. What the consumer price index is made up of are the essentials you need to survive. Your food, okay, eggs, milk, meat, things like that cost more money under this president, okay? And when they get out there and they give you, like, you know, the skewered take, which is, well, you know, economy's better and we've got all these indicators, you know, the stock market is up, it's bad messaging, people don't get it. It's so insulting to your intelligence to say, like, the president has a bad rating on the economy because the messaging isn't okay. Guys, When it comes to the economy, the messenger, are you ready for this? It's not the guy who goes on CNN to talk about it. It's not the White House press secretary. It's not the president himself. When it comes to the economy, the messenger is people's bank accounts. You're absolutely right. If people go to the grocery store and they come home with less money and fewer goods, that's the messenger. You know, if people go to the bank and they find themselves with less money, despite not altering their lifestyle in any way, that's the messenger. Okay, the Biden administration's problem in this moment is not the messenger. It's the truth, which is why the consumer core price index went up again. We're going to talk about it with Brian Brenberg, and we're going to get into a a fascinating stampede of stupidity involving the iTunes App Store and the White House. We'll get into that next on Fox Across America. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Brian Brenberg, one of my buddies, a guy I like so much, our families hang out together. He was on the first episode of my new TV show, Fox News Saturday Night. He was the first guy I booked on the show because he's my real pal. 
And uh, one of the reasons I like to have him on the radio so much, when you're talking to one of your buddies, it's pretty easy to cut to the truth. And the truth is, in this moment, our country is being run by a bunch of... Of morons. I'm Kamala Harris, and I approve this message. I don't doubt that she does. 888-788-9910 if you want to be a part of the action. Uh, but it is a veritable stampede of stupidity we're about to get into. So one way or the other, if you're a part of the show, if you're not a part of the show, our standard operating procedure is to begin and end every hour by reminding you uh, to be a Republican, to be a Democrat. Just don't be a Okay, and that certainly applies in the moment. Uh, we're about to spend together here on the radio. So dig this. You might remember this. You might not. I don't know what your memory's like these days. But you better watch it because if you lose your mind, uh, they will make you president. That's how it works. <laughs> That's how it works in this day and age. Uh, Joe Biden uh, is very much the guy in charge of this thing right now. Uh, what we're learning from the White House, and this is fascinating. Man, this one got me. Okay, but if you ever if you remember, okay, the government ruled going back several months, almost a year, it was a year ago. Okay, a year ago, right now, the Biden administration set a 30-day deadline at the time. You had 30 days for every government agency to ban TikTok from federal devices. So if you had a federal phone, you got to get rid of TikTok because it's a national security risk. We cannot have TikTok on federal phones because TikTok spies on its users. So the White House, as a matter of national security, said every government phone had to get rid of TikTok. So far, so good, right? Except we're now finding out that at a time when the White House bans TikTok from every government phone, the White House itself has just set up a TikTok account for the president. That's stupid. Use your common sense. Now, to be clear, okay, the president is not running this account. He doesn't run his Twitter account. He doesn't run his Facebook account. Okay, if Biden were to be out there typing on Twitter and he typed the way he spoke... It would look like a cat walked across the keyboard. I mean, what 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 would you type for the last word of this sentence? I'll lead an effective strategy to mobilize true international effort to pressure. True international effort to pressure. I mean, what do you type in that moment? You don't know what to type. I think he's got a point. But anyway. Biden goes on to TikTok with the game underway and starts answering questions. Okay, TikTok, which we know is owned by the Chinese company ByteDance. TikTok, which we know is required by Chinese law to share information with the government. Okay, TikTok, which is stealing bio data from its users. TikTok, which is manipulating its algorithm. So the users get a feed that's full of predominantly anti-American content. TikTok, an app that Chinese children don't even have access to. Their amount of time a day is limited by the app itself. And they're predominantly force-fed math and science and social studies because China, which is our biggest geopolitical foe, is trying to use these apps to enhance education in their country while simultaneously 
cutting down the quality of education and patriotism here in ours. Now, lo and behold, the folks at the White House decided it would be a good idea to join. I'm sick and tired of all this bullshit. And that's exactly what it is. Okay, so yesterday, they trotted out Kirby at the White House. You know, whenever it's a varsity game, KJP, diversity hire. Nice enough gal. I met her at the White House Correspondents' Dinner. I wish her no ill will. And she's a nice girl, but she's stupid. Like, she's actually, you know, unfit to do the job. They made it a point to say we wanted a woman of color in this position, and that was the criteria for hiring one. It's like the Kamala Harris thing. Understand there are 10 million black women who could be a phenomenal vice president of the United States. But they, that wasn't the requirement. It wasn't to be a brilliant black woman. It was to just be one. So Kamala Harris got the job. Because in the summer of 2020, if you've read the reporting on this, Biden was dead set on using Gretchen Whitmer as his vice presidential running mate. She was the governor of Michigan. She was relatively popular. And Biden saw Gretchen Whitmer to be highly competent. Okay, well, lo and behold, the George Floyd killing happened. The Democrats decided their strategy was going to be to call the whole country racist. Ergo, we needed somebody black on the ticket. Enter Kamala Harris. Kamala's awful with her weird laugh. (laughs) And that's how this thing started. Okay, and when Jen Psaki came in to replace Kaylee McEnany, okay, as the White House press secretary, when she decided her time was up, they said, well, we need to do something historic. The president has historically low polling numbers. The Afghan troop withdrawal was a disaster. Saki fled the administration to get a job in TV while working in this administration still meant something to TV channels. Enter Corrine Jean-Pierre. She is so bad at her job. And we know that because whenever there's a major day of news in the White House... Okay, major. Okay, the press is hungry. They got questions. What's the first thing they do with Corrine Jean-Pierre? Get her out. Get her out of here. They get her out of there. Okay, so here's the Biden administration on TikTok over the years. I just want you to hear, okay, where they were at on this. And then I'll give you John Kirby yesterday trying to explain what's changed. This is clip 32. We have legitimate national security concerns over over TikTok. It's a useful political platform. I just would tell you that, again, our our concerns on the national security front are valid. Does the president think that Americans should be on TikTok? Again, I'm not going to I'm not going to speak to uh, to that. Send the wrong message if the administration is weighing a ban or could in the future have to weigh it. We have been very consistent about our concerns over TikTok. I think we should take very seriously the fact nation states take very significant measures to undermine. You, you don't have a specific view on, on TikTok itself. I'm not commenting. To me, it screams out with national security concerns. And here's your FBI director, Christopher Wray, in November of 22, clip 31. We do have national security concerns, uh, at least from the FBI's end, uh, about TikTok. They uh, include the possibility that the Chinese government could use it to control data collection on millions of users or control the recommendation algorithm, uh, which could be used for influence operations if they so chose. So you understand That's your FBI director, Christopher Wray, saying TikTok is a threat to our country. I got a bad feeling about this. Made worse by the fact that the president has now joined TikTok. Oh, Lordy Lord, he's desperate. That's exactly what he's doing. Josh Hawley told Sean Hannity last night as much. Clip 34. 
He's got a huge problem with his radical left base. The radical left are pro-Hamas, let's be honest. They, TikTok is a pro-Hamas geyser of propaganda, and now Biden wants to be on it. He wants to get back in the good graces of the anti-Israel hater crowd, who he apparently needs to vote for him. So he's rushing to TikTok, and he's rushing to try to reach out to anybody, anybody, who will vote for him. And the truth is, you're right, this government, Congress, banned TikTok on all federal devices for all federal employees. I know, because I wrote the law. And he signed it into law. And here he is. Oh, no, never forget it. Forget it. I'm getting on TikTok. I need the votes. I need to grovel. And this is really what he's doing. It's all about groveling desperation to get reelected. It's pathetic. This is politics as usual. Of course it is. So you understand they just spent two years going, no, no, TikTok's bad. No, no, you can't be on it. No, no, you can't have government devices on it. No, no, they spy on us. Anyway, the president's joining. Are you stupid or something? Of course they are. They have no answer to that. Here's John Kirby. Yesterday was a varsity game. Kareem Jean-Pierre not at the podium for this exchange. Kirby takes over. It's clip 33. So is the administration still weighing a ban on TikTok? Again, I have nothing for you on that, Jackie. I mean, uh, I'd have to refer you to to CFIUS. All I can speak to credibly, which I have today, is that from an NSC perspective, there are still national security concerns about the use of TikTok on government devices, and there's been no change to our policy not to allow that. Awesome. Can you help me understand, though, like why, why there wouldn't be any communication between CFIUS and the administration broadly? I mean, with the National Security Council. Uh, I didn't say there. I didn't say there wasn't. I just said I'm not able to speak to uh, issues regarding CFIUS. You'd have to talk to them. It's an independent body, and, and it's not something I, I can't speak I for think them. We're all just trying to square why the I, president would use this platform that his administration is weighing a national ban on because of national security concerns. Again, I'm not going to speak to any hypothetical ban. I can only tell you that it's not allowed on government devices. Oh, my goodness gracious. It's not allowed on government devices, but we're on the app. Well, that's the dumbest thing I've heard of. That's what's going on right now. So you understand, Jimmy Fallon, your radio buddy, or if you watch me on my TV show, Fox News Saturday Night, which, by the way, this past Saturday... We got our highest recorded ratings number ever in the history of the show. About it. We'll take it. We'll golf clap for the Fox News Saturday Night team. Okay, but wherever you're watching me, you watch me on TV, watch me on radio, you come to see me do stand-up, okay, I'm pretty much always in a good mood. But there is a level of stupidity that I'm bearing witness to right now. That's exactly that. It's just stupidity, and it frustrates me because it's preventable. We're a capable team. We're America. You know, we have more resources. We're the most tolerant and inclusive society on earth. We're the greatest source of good the world has ever seen. Okay, that's who we are. Yet somehow the dumbest people among us are the ones who happen to be in charge. And they're so desperate to hold on to power that they're now just brazenly defying their own guidance. Hey, can't have TikTok. It's dangerous. National security threat. Anyway, if you need me, I'll be posting a video on TikTok. That's what's going on right now in our country. And it's like this is such a microcosm of a larger problem within this administration. Okay. These people, these stupid people are so brazenly political and transparent that it's impossible not to notice they're stupid. You can see it from space because they're just that dumb. Oh, you're right. And when you're right, you're right. And you, you're always right. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. 
There it is, Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, Brian Brenberg around the corner. We do that on a Tuesday. What we don't really do a heck of a whole lot of is go on TikTok. We were talking off the top of the hour about the fact that President Biden, despite the fact that TikTok is banned from all government devices, Biden now has a TikTok account. Biden is such a disaster. We really do just, you know, everybody's trying to figure out how to get the guy off the ticket. They should just tell him he already stepped down. <laughs> no, no, you stepped down last week, sir. You didn't. Uh, that's you made the big announcement. Do you remember? You know the rapidly rising uh, um, uh, in with uh, with uh, I don't know. Uh, guy's a mess, man. The guy's a mess. We're going to talk about it with Brian Brenberg, uh, and we will, of course, get back into this foreign aid deal. Where, man, oh boy, oh man, uh, I've been worked up today. If you're just tuning into the show. I'm a little cranky today, okay? They voted last night in the middle of the night while you were sleeping to send $95 billion worth of foreign aid to Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan, not a penny for the United States of America. That's not right. If you want to know why people hate politicians, if you want to know why 76% of the country thinks we're headed in the wrong direction, Okay, it's because 100% of the country doesn't feel like a primary focus for this administration. At a time when your own border is completely overrun, they're like, I've got it. We'll send $95 billion to the other borders around the world. We have people in Washington that don't know what they're doing. No, there's really never been a dumber time to be alive. The only thing for me that I consider to be an upside in this moment is stand up like it's I've selfishly like I hate that the world's on fire and I tell you I'm always out here roasted radio marshmallows but it's really it's helping on the road if you guys want to go see me March 1st in Idaho Falls some seats left at the Colonial Theater it'll sell out because people need to unplug from all of this insanity the Crest Theater in Sacramento March 2nd hey girl we're gonna move some product because again these are big venues but people now more than ever they really do need to laugh. Like people come up to me after my TV show and thank me. And believe me, as a comic, that's not normal. Normally people come up to you as a comic and they're like, uh, I'm sorry you had a rough childhood. How can I help? You know, here's 20 bucks to get some cat food for yourself. Uh, you know, I know you're in bad spot to be in showbiz. It's a totally different world now. And I love the turnout at these shows. I'm thankful for it. But comedians were never supposed to be looked upon as like heroes, as like therapists. Yes, comedy is a coping mechanism for a lot of people. It's how we grieve serious things. We don't have the intellectual capacity to torment. But we weren't all supposed to find ourselves in that position. The sad reality of right now is you look around the country and everybody, I mean everybody you look at, is on the verge of snapping. I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. It ain't good, man. And when you talk about the incompetence at the tippy top of the government, it's just impossible. It's impossible right now to look out. And it's, it's, it was very naive of me because I didn't know any better. But it's impossible to look out at this government and believe there's anybody there that's really on top of things. And I make that point. Why? Because when I was a little kid, like I really grew up. I mean, I grew up under Reagan, so we certainly had better leadership at the top of the government. But I really grew up in the 80s, even in the 90s, 
okay, when we had a president who was using interns as a humidor. This is not okay. But I still believed as a young man that the people who run the country, okay, are like these infallible America first hardwired commandos that only know how to win. Okay, we're now in my adult life witnessing a staggering level of incompetence. When you look around the Biden administration, when you look at what they're doing, that foreign aid bill, okay, we're $34 trillion in debt right now. And they're like, I've got it. I've got it. We'll send $95 billion to the other side of the world. Country is being destroyed by stupid people, by very stupid people. I keep coming back to it. And I think that's my bigger problem. Like we talk a lot about, ah, you know, Biden is cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. The guy doesn't know where he is. That's true. Okay, but the reality is whoever is in charge is doing even worse than he is. Tell him like it is. You don't look at the co- – again, we watched Biden again yesterday, wandering around the stage with the leader of Jordan. Took him six times to find his place on the stage and figure out where he was supposed to be. We have a president that is clearly not all there. This isn't new. But the stunning level of ineptitude we're witnessing from the bureaucrats that are forcing all of these other policies down our throats is what's really destroying the country. It's why I don't get mad at Biden. You know, it's not his age. It's his condition there. But for the grace of God, go I. But if you're going to have a leader who's incapacitated and you're going to do that with us to us, you need to at least surround him by people who don't have their heads completely up their asses. Sadly, everyone in the Biden administration has their head up their ass. I'm Kamala Harris, and I approve this message. Brian Brenberg very well may as well. He will join us next right here on a very cranky edition of Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon fired up on a Tuesday. I have to tell you, it's been a very cranky show, a chippy show. The champ, very worked up. Joining us now to talk me down from the ledge, if anyone can do it, the host of the Big Money hey, Show. Settle down. Settle down. All right. <laughs> Come on, baby. This place is a mess. You're throwing things. <laughs> Monitors smashed. Brian Brenberg is in the house, my cable news corner man, my man. <laughs> Come on, kid. You're a winner. Don't let him get to you, kid. <laughs> so the conversation I was having, and it's great to see you, and this is what I'm dealing you into. This is what you've inherited, okay? Mm. You know, sometimes as a comedian... You know, you walk into a room and the energy has been transformed by whatever happened first. <laughs> like to give you an example. Do you remember when Mike, Michael Dean Richards from Seinfeld went on an yeah. infamous rant yes. about a particular member of the audience? Yeah. There was a comedian who has to go on after that. Hey, everybody. <laughs> the, the Good to see you. Upside down and sideways. What's everybody doing? You, yeah, got, right. you know, you got to inherit that. Okay, mess. so th- what am I inheriting? It's here? not quite a Michael Dean Richards. <laughs> I'll give you that. <laughs> Thanks for the answer. I will give you that, uh, okay. head, which is proof by the fact that we're on the air. That's right. uh, we probably would have been pulled. But uh, I was just talking about how I grew up in an era. I was I'm maybe naive, but I grew up in the 80s where I really thought the people at the tippy top of government were like these infallible right. America first cyborgs who were just calibrated to get it done. Again, the MacArthur sign, there's absolutely no substitute for victory. Yeah. That was in every door I walked through in my childhood. <laughs> and now they're like, yeah, while well, you guys were sleeping, we sent 95 billion to Ukraine. <laughs> I'm 
like, wait, what? Right. Like, and I get it, okay, but but can we get a dollar? And the answer is no. No. Not, and, not and, but all. that's why I'm chippy. Am I right to be a little chippy? Well, I was thinking about this, too. You know, the... You, you had guys in the past who were like, oh, we're at war. I'm going to lead a, guy, a charge up San Juan Hill or something. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're kind of out front, like, yeah. doing it and mm-hmm. be like me. And mm-hmm. now it's all on the sly or, yeah, I mean, on a, uh, yeah, like you wake up in the morning and you find out these guys have $100 billion. Yeah. Like, that's what I mean. Uh, but at three in the morning, any business transaction that goes down at three in the morning is not is off the I'm books. Speaking okay. to you as a former New York City cab driver, there's not a 3 a.m. transaction you can get a receipt for. It, it, it is true. You know, you kind of use that business comparison every once in a while. Like, you know, if you had a CEO who was being characterized in an independent report as elderly and forgetful. <laughs> The shareholders might say, let's make a move. Yeah, yeah. And, you, and that would happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't happen in our government. Or if you're doing deals like this off the books, eventually somebody comes in and says, well, that one might have been a good deal for you. Now you're going to think about that behind bars for thank a while. You, thank you. Brian Brenberg is in studio. He's had it now. Now he, he was supposed now to calm off, me down. I, I got a Jeez. Now he's Thanks chipping. a lot. It's just the macho man Randy Savage oh, just walked ooh, into yeah. my studio. You told some of the biggest lies that I've ever heard of in my whole life. Yeah, you were supposed to calm me down. You better snap into a Slim Jim <laughs> or this whole show's going off the rails, Brent Burke. Anytime I can hear the macho man, it makes my yeah. day better. It's a win for the American people. What an entertainer. So the other level of incompetence that kind of jumped out at me, and this is something else I was talking to at the top of the hour, is TikTok is banned from every government device, yet they just I – mean, clearly, the president isn't on TikTok, but they did open a TikTok account for the president. Yes. Does that not kind of contradict the marching order here as it pertains to our attitude towards TikTok? Well, first of all, he is so bad on TikTok. Yeah. I don't understand why you think going down that road is going to help you. Uh-huh. Number one, forget mm-hmm. about whether you should be on TikTok – he, he looks like if you had a poster of the guy, you if you f- meet the following criteria, you should not be on TikTok. It would be him. <laughs> he is the textbook definition of don't do that. But then, yeah, I mean, this is where the Teddy Roosevelt thing really came to mind. I mean, yeah. we made it illegal to have this thing on federal devices. And the guy who's supposed to be the CEO of all those federal devices mm-hmm. is saying the way I'm going to win the election is to get on it. <laughs> <laughs> you can't, I mean, you can't even make that up. We have people in Washington that don't know what they're doing. I think it's a good way to say it. I know I'm very sound happy because the more the audio clips talk today, the less I will. That's right. Because I'm going off. Okay, I've I've, ha- I've had it. Because back to that whole point. But, and, and never mind the fact that you're trying to, I guess, curry favor with younger voters. Of course. But you can't do it with a guy who refers to it as the TikTok. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm saying. Uh, this guy's hip over here. Look at this hip cat. I'm, I'm on the TikTok talking about shrinkflation, which, by the way, okay, they caused shrinkflation because of the reckless spending that brought on inflation. Oh, yeah. And now we say, well, this isn't right that they do that. So basically what this, this whole administration keeps doing, Brenberg, is starting problems and then being like, you know, it's not right that people are doing this oh, to you because it, of the problems we started. You know, the, you got me again now. The shrinkflation thing, too. He's out there complaining about shrinkflation. And what he doesn't get is shrinkflation is actually helping him. Yeah. 
if shrinkflation wasn't happening, those bad inflation numbers we got today would be worse. Yeah, they got, actually, he's going to say that prices would go the other way. They would be worse. So he should be out there to companies saying, thanks for taking one on the chin for me because everyone's complaining to Oreos yeah. about their smaller packages and not that inflation's even higher yeah. than it is right Think now. about that. That poor gal at Oreos would really be hearing that it. That poor Oreos Whoever gal. She's just the... twisting those things and she's <laughs> like, for smaller Oreos. packages. Beth speaking. <laughs> and to be clear, we're both guys that have called Oreos in the past. Oh, yeah. So let me talk to you about Oreos since you brought it up because I need to lighten the mood. And that's generally our job on this show right. is to lighten the mood. Yeah, come on. I don't feel like we're fulfilling our obligation to the American people. Take it down, man. Day. Downshift a little bit here. Let's go. Has, is there anything better? Okay, and we're going to talk about this through the lens of Oreos. I'll invoke a Chips Ahoy or a homemade chocolate chip. I really don't care your preference. Mm. But the point is, what's the better scuba cookie? And a scuba uh. cookie is when you're dunking cookies in milk, but it breaks in half. And goes to the bottom yeah, of the cup right. and now resides there. Now we you got drank. a salvage situation. Yeah, you got to go get that cookie at the end of the cup of the milk. <sighs> pound for pound, there's nothing better you'll ever consume than a scuba cookie. No, there's there are times when I intentionally scuba the cookie. Uh, I know th- what I'm doing. Thank here. you. I'm, the way I'm dipping uh-huh. is creating a breakage, mm-hmm. right? Structural integrity goes away. The yep. thing falls. I love to salvage an Oreo. I personally love to do the Oreo like you take it all the way down to about the first knuckle yeah, yeah, yeah. actually in there. And so it's kind just, of a self scuba in a way. It, it kind of it looks like the last scene of Titanic. It just that's breaks right. in half. <laughs> then there's a Kate Winslet's floating on a small piece of cookie that's clearly big enough for two people. Right. But she won't let Leonardo DiCaprio no, get on, so no, he freezes. You can't, you can't do that. In the movie, they really dubbed the, the real line. He didn't say don't ever give up, Rose. He was like, move over. Move over. Rose. <laughs> You look at his lips carefully, you can actually kind <laughs> of see overdub. it. That was an overdub. That was an overdub. Unbelievable. Brian Brenberg's in the house. We're talking about scuba cookies, which which does restore order. Have you ever had a pecan sandy scuba cookie? I have never. I've so, always thought of that as a dry cookie. It is. Exclusively now, dry cookie. Now, let's talk about it. Okay. Okay, because you see it as a land-based cookie. La- I see it as a land-terrestrial you know, cookie, okay? Little do you know, as scuba cookies go, a pecan sandy really does. It's like the ZZ Top video of cookie makeovers. <laughs> you know in the ZZ Top videos, they'd find like a boring ho-hum girl, and then she'd take a ride in the ZZ Top car, and she'd come out with like the, the leggings and the out. hair. She looked like a daytime stripper. And you loved it. Well, that's the pecan sandy of your scuba cookie. And it's a whole nother cookie. I could see that because it's the pecan sandy does kind of have like glasses on and the it's hair pulled up in a bun. Strangest thing in the world. I once dunked a pecan sandy and she's got legs came off <laughs> from the bottom of the cup. Came right out of the cup. It's the best cookie I've ever eaten in my life. This is what we should be talking about, Brenberg. The pecan sandies, they were so rare yeah. you know for me as a kid though that it's yeah. almost like when you got one you didn't have time to assemble the team I f- you know you just you had the cookie you know, I, if i don't eat this now it's not going to be here so forget about any of the uh, you know accompaniments <laughs> forget about the milk we don't have time there, to get the milk certain certain cookies don't have spin-offs you're right that's a- like you need to be a mainstream like oreo get, get a spin-off it gets a double stuff right. chips ahoy gets a chewy chips ahoy pecan sandy gets a bite immediate bite <laughs> and away we go because you don't you don't buy them as often as the other one that's right have you ever have a fudge town growing up they kind of went away 
Some of the listeners might recognize the phrase, but there was a thing called a fudge town, Brenberg, and the box had a sheriff on the cover. And he had a yellow badge and a white hat on his head that was like hanging off his head. He kind of looked like Buford T. Justice Uh in Smokey and the Bandit. But it was essentially a chocolate wafer with a chocolate inside. But it was done in a way that I don't know what kind of weird cream filling they were using, but to like a little kid, like a fat, pre-diabetic, five-year-old Jimmy (laughs) Fallon. The Fudge Town was my go-to cookie on land or at sea. And when I was about 12... They got rid of them. Yeah. Through no fault of my own. I wonder if that was sort of a Northeast kind Might of thing. Might have been. Because you guys probably had novelty cookies we uh, didn't have. I, I had one similar, but it was peanut butter. It was called a Nutty Bar. Oh, it a Nutty was Bar. the Little Debbie, I mm-hmm. think, brand of... We didn't have Little Debbie. We had Lil. We couldn't afford Little Debbie. <laughs> we had the ghetto version. It was called Lil Debbie. She had gold teeth. But uh, hell of a cookie. Hell of a cookie. I'm not going to lie. It was a good cookie. You make do with what you got, man. You, you got to play the Lil teams Debbie, on the schedule. You got to play the teams on the schedule. That's what I'm saying. They're Brenberg. a mean team, too. They, you know, I'd throw a few elbows. Lil Debbie didn't yeah. mess oh, around. You don't mess around with her. Well, that, that might be the end result of shrinkflation, too, that Lil Debbie would have to become Lil Debbie <laughs> Lil to help with the packaging. <laughs> but essentially what I'm seeing, and this is what, I, if I was looking forward towards Election Day, and it's so heartbreaking when you realize we're like a legit nine and a half months out right now. Yeah. We're, not, we're nine and a half months out now. They're already, you know, one guy has dementia. They're calling the other guy Hitler. Right. As we've said in the past, in comedy, <laughs> you don't open with your closer. If you're opening on Hitler, you've put yourself in a tough position in terms of rhetoric. Where do you go? You know, I don't have an answer to that. And then you've got the Biden dementia thing. But essentially what I think we're going to watch until somebody comes off the ticket, and he may come off the ticket, but assuming he doesn't, this is the election from here to November. It's going to be so chippy and awful that I do think we need to factor in more cookie analysis. Uh, well, I was going to say we're probably going to eat a lot more cookies. Yeah, yeah. We're going to feel so bad at the end yeah. of every day. We're going to reach for the fudge town. We're going to call for the fudge town to come back. If this is a year for it to make a comeback, we it could revive be this year. the fudge town. Revive the fudge. Things get so bad, the fudge town sheriff comes back. Yo. And this time he's not wearing a white hat. (laughs) Well, they defunded that guy. In the summer of 2020, they defunded the Fudge Town Sheriff. So that's why I lost my cookies. They were like, no, it's law enforcement. We can't support it. Now you got no sheriff. It's unbelievable. The, well, the fun, you know what actually happened to the Fudge Town Sheriff? He got beat up by a couple of migrants and he stopped showing up to work. Like, what is happening in this country? Because this is the thing, okay? As you know, everyone in my family is a cop. Brothers, cousins, yeah. uncles, yeah. everybody. And they were cops in eras where this was unfathomable, that cops were getting beat up right. by people in this country illegally. Right. And as a country, we weren't like, oh, so those guys are dead, right? And yeah. to be clear... Other countries wouldn't allow this to happen. Right. So are we – I guess this is the, the, the chance at optimism, okay, and we can leave on this. Do you think we are at least hitting an inflection point where necessity being the mother of invention, mm-hmm. society is starting to understand the need to recalibrate? Do you think we're close to that? Yeah, I, I do actually. We, there's a story in the – kind of related but in the Wall Street Journal today about how companies – have stopped hiring these ESG, environmental, social governance people yeah, yeah. who basically want to make everything your goal except making money. Yeah, you know? yeah. like they, They've stopped. They've, they've dialed back hiring these people. Yeah. People in cities are saying this, the policies that we tolerated because they sounded nice are insane and we're not going to do that anymore. I think it's going to take a while. And unfortunately, I think some parts of the country are going to get it far too late. Yeah. Other parts are going to get it sooner and they're going to benefit. I, and, you know, you're going to end up with an America that is 
quite a bit more bifurcated than the yeah. one you and I grew up in. And that does suck. I'm, I'm hoping, you know, somebody can come along with maybe like a Saturday night TV show that reunites the You know, country. somebody could kind of just not go this way or that way, <laughs> but just talk about what kind <laughs> of people we should be. Comedic autonomous. You know, I don't know. Something, the world is screaming out for Some of this, just, we really, that we need, there's a real void in Saturday night program. I was just told after the ratings came out today, <laughs> you're like, there's a real void. <laughs> I kid you, we're doing just fine, Mr. Brenberg. Of course you are. All right, rock on. I'll see you in the cookie aisle. Yeah, man. Back after this. And now we take you to Fudgetown. Fudge. Fudge. Wonderful fudge. Loads of fudge in Fudgetown. Fudgetown, the cookie that's so full of fudge it pops out of the top. There's more fudge in Burry's Double Fudge Fudgetown cookies because they're the only kind that come from Fudgetown itself. Fudge. We can hardly budge. Don't go anywhere. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We'll be right back. Bottom of the ninth here on Fox Across America with your radio buddy Jimmy Fallon. Off to get some fudge towns uh, when this thing is over. Uh, you know that's not the case. It's a weekday. Fox ain't feeding me. Put that cookie down now. I kid, I kid. Uh, and if you want to see me kid in person, here is the stand-up schedule. Uh, we added dates. Man, oh boy, oh man, is it going down. Colonial Theater, March 1st, Friday night. That is coming in a hurry. Get your tickets. March 2nd, the Crest Theater in Sacramento. March 8th. The Amaturo Theater in Fort Lauderdale, March 9th, Ponte Vedre Concert Hall, Ponte Vedre, Florida. Then, of course, we head to the Helena Civic Center in Helena, Montana on the 29th. We go March 30th to the Fox Theater in Spokane, Washington. And then we're back on the West Coast the following week at the Federal Way, Performing Arts Center Friday night, April the 5th. Uh, Saturday, April the 6th, the Egyptian Theater in Boise. That's another rematch. April 13th, Huntsville, Alabama, the Mars Music Hall, Michael the Trucker's going to be there. Tommy and Laura Daniel and their dog, Lincoln. They named it after my son. Dog is going to be there as well. Okay. And then, of course, May 11th, we are at the Wetzel Performing Arts Center in Sarasota, Florida. Uh, May 18th, the Schubert Theater in Boston, Massachusetts. June 7th, the Majestic Theater in Dallas, Texas. There are a host of other dates as well. The tickets are not on sale yet. So I can't legally talk about them on the air or I'm going to have a real problem on my hands. Somebody ought to belt you in the mouth. That's what they say. They come right down here. They threaten me. They look at me. Look, Mr. Fudgetown. Okay, you're not going to be able to chew if we have to pop you for mentioning these dates early. They run a tight ship uh, on Fox Across America. But the bottom line tonight is your radio buddy will become your TV buddy. Uh, I'll be joining Laura Ingram in the 7 p.m. hour. And, uh, of course, if you didn't get a copy of the Cancel Culture Dictionary, it's foxnewsbooks.com. Foxnewsbooks.com. If you wanted a signed copy for yourself or your family, it is jimmysignedbook.com. Listen, people who listen to this show every day are going to agree with the book. But people who hate Fox, people who would presumably hate me because of where I work, would read this book and they'd wind up liking it. They'd, I don't know if they like me. I don't know if they like Fox, but they'd agree with every word in the book. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. I have the argument down in terms of what we're doing wrong in society. And again, I'm not here on the air selling you uh, on the idea that I can fix it. 
The only thing I can do is help everybody chill out because that's the biggest problem we have right now. As we head into this election cycle, okay, it's so contentious. And there's no other lane to reelection for the Democrats other than to call everybody on the right a white supremacist transphobe. Okay, some type of climate destroying heathen who's going to get us all killed. That's essentially their pitch to the American voter. Okay, on the right, they're obviously going to try to prioritize issues, but they'll have problems because Trump does have very high negatives. So there's no way to look at this thing and not see a food fight coming down the pike. So at the very least, if you're one of the people that is just calming things down, that believes what they do and is going to go out and vote accordingly and encourage other people to vote accordingly, you are part of the solution. Okay, there's a lot of people out there fighting like cats and dogs that are part of the problem, but I very well do believe are capable of seeing the light and coming our way. And that is why I never stopped selling you my book. That was all just a plug. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. But a necessary plug because the country needs it more than ever. Show's over. Pay up. Get out. You know the deal. Be a Republican. Be a Democrat. The only thing we ever, ever ask is that you don't be a... The world of business moves fast. Stay on top of it with the Fox Business Rundown every Monday and Friday. Listen to the Fox Business Rundown starting May 20th at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.